In this episode, we discuss Repo Men. Twice the Repo Men of Repo Man, one billionth as good a movie. And welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Flop House. Stuart <laughs> Wellington. <laughs> That's my new intro. You forgot that you were supposed to say your name there. <laughs> and not just say, Whoa, whoa, who's talking? I don't know. It's Flop he's House. not been introduced. And I'm Elliot Kalen. Oh, the voice God. that sounds like this is Elliot Kalen. Oh, good. So for new listeners, fix our voice sounds in your heads. Flop House. Flop House. Flop House. Flophouse. Oh, it was like that scene when the uh, when the uh, the weird weird guys in Dark Crystal all start moaning at yeah. the same pitch. Uh, yeah, yeah. We were a lot like that, I think. Okay, so what's going on? What are we doing here? Arms. Uh, I kind of wish I did, though. Yeah, there was a, a woman at Comic Con with a really good Skeksis costume. Okay. That's pretty awesome. Was had... it like a hot Skeksis? No. Uh, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> Usually, when I think of a Skeksis costume, I really? think of like a really hot of chick the, in a bi- of the bikini, wrinkly uh, lizard rat birds, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, <laughs> with voluminous robes to cover their hideous bodies. Yes, at least it wasn't like a sexy gelfling because that would be like a pre pu- That's like an Elf Quest comic. That's redundant. Yeah, <laughs> they are like. <laughs> They're like the no. creepy drawings of a pedophile. What do you, what do you think? We're, what do you think we're getting Elliot for his bachelor party? A gelfling stripper? Yeah, doy. When oh, I was it's a, ruined now. When I was a kid, I was. Well, I don't. I think I he won't be that surprised. I was by the gelflings because I thought they looked too much like Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, prescient. Anywho. Um, anywho. Anywho. We should take this on the road, guys. Oh, man. The new singing group. Yeah, the new singing group that just does one-note songs <laughs> that have one word. In, in, inspired by the Three Stooges. Yeah. Well, we can jam a lot of tracks into a, into a set. That's true. We could, And one CD could have about 100 tracks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, we don't want to like talk about the movie this week, album. do we? Because I know I don't. No, we take a little vacation and it did not refresh our batteries. It made us um, angrier that we had to watch a bad movie. Well, I don't know about angrier, but... I was, was at I was in California for two weeks. It was very pleasant. Then I had to come back to this. So, mm-hmm. and I was sick and uh, wasn't pleasant. And I'm regaining my strength. And I had to I had to suffer through this. Yeah, and I was on a long sabbatical. Yeah, from life, from from having fun. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, enough of that. Like a suck sabbatical. No, man, you didn't lose it. You still got it, Elliot. <laughs> I love that yep. shit. Professional comedy writer Elliot Kalin. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, let me refresh our listeners if they've forgotten. What we do is we, the three of us, get together on an evening, usually during the week, because that's what fits best with you guys' schedule. <laughs> we we get a cup. That's a little more information than they chill need. out. Okay, we get a cup. <laughs> Dan and I get some drinks. Elliot gets a shitload of Popeyes. Yeah, we we His have drink. our yeah we have our various um, you know yeah. 
we watch a movie that is available on either DirecTV, <laughs> watch DVD. it now, or DVD or like, something. Yeah, I don't think the format really plays in. It's I'm explaining it. I think it's important. How big do you think the television is? I don't it's like know. Like a 32-inch? It's pretty small. 32-inch? It's like a... It's, it's like, meager. It's a 42-inch. Really? I think so. I don't it's think you could afford inch. a 42 inch, Dan. <laughs> All right. So we watch we watch a movie. 5.1 stereo sound. That's true. The sound is pretty incredible. Yeah. So we watch this movie. Usually it's a movie that is With been, our eyes. Yeah, light bounces off the TV, is emitted from the TV screen and enters our retina. There's, there's rods and cones yeah. involved somehow. Thanks, Merlin, for explaining <laughs> it to me. So. Merlin, Merlin, the eye scientist. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Isn't that what he taught him in Sword in the Stone? Oh, maybe he did. Yeah. So we watch a movie, usually one that Dan picks out and forces the other, you know, Elliot yeah. and me to watch. At gunpoint. Yeah, and he's like, I have to watch this movie. I've been waiting to watch it. <laughs> so we watch this movie, and uh, and then we talk about it, which is what we're about to do. The movie this week. Unless we, unless we can... Procrastinate what, a little what, bit wait, longer. What? The movie right. this week is Repo Man. Repo Man. Repo Man. <laughs> Repo Man. Okay, so and uh, it is crappy. So when when you see the title Repo Man, you usually think of what? Elliot, go. The movie Repo Man. Okay, Dan, go. The movie Repo Man. Stuart, go. Uh, Repo the Genetic Opera. Oh wow! <laughs> Careful. Well, That's strange, but uh, don't worry about it. Let's this, go. This movie combines elements from all of those except for Repo Man. Okay. Uh, it is the story of Jude Law, a genetic repo <laughs> the guy, the actor, genetic character. Now, this is the future where he is some for some reason Toronto seems to be part of America. There was a war of some kind. Now Jude Law is a veteran whose job is to retrieve. Sci- uh, organ machines, like kind of scientifically designed organs that people have bought to replace their malfunctioning organs and now cannot pay the price for. They can't keep up their payments. Mm-hmm. So they send out the yeah, repo men. Yeah, you get on men. some kind of like a contract plan. Yes. So they send out the repo men when you're behind payment to cut open your belly and take the organs back. These are These are... These are predatory lenders, is what you're saying. They are the predatoriest of lenders. It's similar. It's similar to if you get a cell phone contract uh-huh. and you fail to pay, and then some dude cuts your ears off. Oh, wow! <laughs> that what what cell phone do company does shit? that? I think it's Verizon. Oh, okay. Ooh. Uh, but Telling anyway, commentary. Jude Law seems mostly untroubled by this work that he does. His wife hates it. Uh, but he and his partner, Forrest Whitaker, who were also veterans from the same war together and were <coughs> friends as kids. Yeah, it seems like one or the other would have done, like, a, for the screenwriter. Apparently they both, both enlisted. Apparently it was like a Civil War enlistment or World War One enlistment where you could all go in a group and they'd put a whole unit together from the same town. They spent all their money on special effects. They couldn't spend their money on additional characters in the story. Okay. Yes. Uh, the two of them are partners. They're repo men. Forrest Whitaker is a little too overeager, likes cutting people's bellies open. Uh, but Jude Law, while getting a repo, uh, what exactly happened to him? I don't even remember anymore. I don't know. The he defibrillator was... uh, oh, that's malfunctioned, right. and his own heart got uh, and he, zapped. He got blown up. He had to get a new replacement heart. Now he owes money to the company. His life is falling apart. His wife has kicked him out of the house. Yep, mm-hmm. and he decides that it's time to take action. 
Now, this my, involves hanging out in broken down buildings for about 40 hours. Uh, it also involves uh, falling in love with a girl who has like 80 organs that have been um, replaced. You would think that when they tried to give her a credit check, they would find out that she yeah. is unable to pay for the organs she already has. Well, that's the thing. They don't really do much of a credit check because they figure they can cut up those organ default payments and give them to and sell them as investments to pension plans and things like that. Then if those things are defaulted, the government will sweep swoop in and pay them, pay for them. What I think is interesting. They they, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. they also point out that like there's a number of characters throughout the movie not to skip ahead that have like black market organs. Under what yes. under what right does this other company how can they swoop in and just cut out black market organs? That doesn't make uh, sense to me. It might be that it's their property that's been taken from them. Okay. I think that's and part like, of it. And, and just, like jail, jailbroken or whatever? When you... I don't know. You know, that's sure. a, to jailbreak something when you like... If somebody has so an you, iPhone... Okay. You're saying you want that you want to run third-party apps on your heart? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you want to do that. You want it like to jack it up like the heart and crank two, for yes, instance? Yes, precisely. So anyway, they, he's on the run with this girl... They have a series of stupid plans that don't help them. <laughs> Forrest Whitaker is sent by their boss, Liev Schreiber, to go <coughs> track Jude Law down and get his heart back. And uh, in the end, they go to the main building where the headquarters of the company is, and they kill like a bazillion people, mm-hmm. and then blow it up. And then Jude Law is in on a sunny beach with his girl, they, he's a famous author now. His friend is there with him. It looks like he's perfectly content and everything worked out, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's what it seems like. Uh-oh. Then they stole the end from Brazil. And it turns out a fake reality is being fed into his brain while he's in a comatose state. And in yeah. reality, everything's bad. In everywhere. a fight earlier in the film, he uh, his brain got uh, damaged. And so... Uh, he's Dane Bramaged. Yeah. Forced... <laughs> Well, Poe Buddy's nervous, though. <laughs> but Forrest Whitaker put this, like, I, All I'm saying is, he's his... not as thick as you drunk he is. <laughs> he's with Stupid, who is himself. But, uh... Yeah, no, Forrest Whitaker... What are, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> Haven't you ever been to a county fair? Come on. What? You know, where they sell t-shirts? Forrest Whitaker takes pity on him in the only way he can and puts him into a beautiful dream. And his girl, I guess, gets I think it's killed off screen. They're just going to take her organs back out. Yeah. yeah. Which well, is exactly, again, like Brazil. Yes. <laughs> it's just they do a great job of kind of like bringing you back <laughs> down to reality. Oh, yeah. Spoilers for Brazil, by the way. Because, oh. like, I mean, we're just always being, we're always being fed these Hollywood endings where everything works out right in the end. But and this we'll, movie kind of tells us tells us the real way things are in this world except the with real, fake organs. The Hollywood and, ending now is the like surprise things are bad okay. yeah. ending. Like that's become such a cliche. Like when Brazil did it, I'm sure it was you know frightening. Like in uh, like in like in Carrie, where the hand bursts out of the dirt, and you're like, <laughs> whoa! Well, well, that is a dream. That's, that's earlier than Brazil <laughs> or yeah. Jurassic Park. I don't think there is a twist ending in Jurassic Park. I thought there was dinosaurs still. It just ends still. with them flying off the flying There's like the dinosaurs island. hanging out, like still alive. <laughs> they White are, but cards. they're not. There's not. There's not a twist. That's they've escaped. Oh, I thought they thought they killed all the dinosaurs. No, 
Uh, <laughs> just, I don't know. If I was helicopter watching. out of there. Yeah. Maybe I was they thinking of the, the movie. Dinosaurs behind. Is that the movie Carnosaur? You think of Carnosaur, where okay. they kill the dinosaurs and they go, "Yeah, we did it," and then the government troops bust in and kill all the heroes because no one can know about it. I thought or that like was Return, Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead is similar where... Wow, we were just spoiling everything. The army but decides... Are there dinosaurs in that? I wish it was Return of the Living Dead dinosaurs. <laughs> that would be awesome. I'd love to see a zombie dinosaur movie. Oh, I guess the great. closest thing to that is Night at the Museum. <laughs> There's a zombie dinosaur in that? There's a dinosaur skeleton that's running around trying to eat is somebody. Is there a cowboy riding on that? There should be if there isn't. A zombie cowboy or a regular, no, regular cowboy? regular cowboy. Okay. And can he control dust devils and <laughs> to swarm his enemies? I don't think so. Oh, that's too bad. I don't think any cowboy could ever do that. Like an aeromancer? <laughs> uh, we'll talk about it later. Okay. I do think that... Uh, I don't know. I was, I was still a little surprised that the ending of this movie turned out to be so bleak, since the rest of it seemed to be so, like, incredibly dumb. Well, that's the thing. The movie alternated between really hyper-stupid, like, which I mean, not hyper-stupid, like, so stupid, but, like hyper active and like very fast mm-hmm. and kind of fun but stupid it alternated between that and super grim and super serious and dark and you know gritty in a way that was very not good well that was the thing like for like the first 15 minutes you're set up to think that this is going to be like a, a satire like a, a dark comedy uh, action film and then as soon as as Jude Law, as gets, Jude a Law gets a conscience, it, it, you know, it starts taking the concept seriously, and the concept is ridiculous on its face. That from like, the well, just from the beginning, like, how did this company get it get its get permission to run this business? That's a like, good question. Why? And also, I kept wondering during the movie, and I kept saying, how do this many people need mechanical organs? Yeah, because like at one when Jude Law gets his fake heart put in. It starts like basically malfunctioning right away. Like, why would, why would people get these mechanical organs if they don't make them like super powered? That would yeah. explain it at least a little bit. Yeah, and the organ transplants are maybe there was a line of dialogue somewhere that explained like why everyone needed new organs all of a sudden. But like, organ transplants are not that common a thing. There are a lot of them, and there are not enough organs to go around. But like, they dry, they they have a, a scanner gun that they can point at someone and it tells them if they're they have a fake organ in them and they're driving down the street and it seems like everybody has one. Well, that was what was ridiculous to me, not the fact that there were so and many. And no one and no one can pay for them. Organs. It was that um, the way these repo men work is that they don't get like a particular commission. Like, oh, uh, Jim, Jimbo Jones is he needs Jimbo Jimbo Jones? <laughs> yeah, Jimbo. Simpsons. <laughs> Did Simpsons. He, yeah, you just make that up. Uh, I'll just uh, make up a name on the top of my head. Uh, Clark Kent uh, has. <laughs> yeah, but say we'll just make right. up a name. Let's say a guy named uh, George Washington. Yeah, has, well, whatever. All right. <laughs> say a guy uh, named uh, Abraham you know, Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Jesus Cristo. Let's say that uh, has an organ. It's and, a little and too ethnic for me. Abraham Lincoln is deadbeat on his um, payments, which at certain times in his life could have could have been possible. He was born into poverty. Yeah. You know, he kind of made it as a lawyer, but only after He's, failing as a storekeeper. Yeah, he didn't make enough money splitting rails. and so, You make almost no money splitting rails. <laughs> Most of the time, you can get more money for a rail that hasn't been split. Well, you got to pay the rail company for ruining all their merchandise. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, he can't pay. And all that money went to doing rails right up his nose. <laughs> right. And so they specifically send out Repo and what Man. what a nose. To yeah, huge say- nose. <laughs> it's a lot, of, a lot of coke he needs to fill up that schnoz. But there's a specific there's a specific guy that they're after, so the Repo Men are sent out to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue to get back <laughs> Just to name organ. an address off the top of my head. 
but that makes sense to me. Yeah. Whereas, like, well, so, so, yeah. they're just, like, cruising around with their, like, repo gun, and they're like, okay, Beep. let's scan these people. All right, that guy doesn't have an organ. Oh, that guy has an organ. We got And they have him. license to, at will, stop anyone and zap them with an electric dart gun and cut their bellies open and leave and them to die, basically. More mm-hmm. than anything, this future, the greatest, like, technological <coughs> advancement is the advancement in scanning technology. Yes, <laughs> they can scan through thick flesh of human beings. Yeah, which is uncommon. Uncommon nowadays for a scanner to work even when it's pressed up against the barcode, <laughs> yes. let alone... And yet, cars, phones, everything else is almost exactly the same. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. These repo guys, they could get more money just like patenting that scanning technology and selling it well, than like to go to the organ. And I mean, now granted, we've talked a little bit about this vision of the future that we're presented. Yes. This and of course, vision. <laughs> It's a unique vision of the future where almost everything is Asian influenced. Big uh, screens on buildings. It's raining a lot. Mm, a never seen of, that before. A bunch of blimps yeah. flying around. Um, slightly different clothing styles, uh-huh. but not enough so that you're actually like, "Oh, that looks weird." You're like, "Oh, that kind of looks cool." Um, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, blimps. There's a lot of like, uh, like fancy 3D and stuff. Yeah, what yeah. you're saying is it's basically Blade Runner. Yeah, it's Blade Runner. <laughs> or Back to the Future Part 2. Yeah. With yeah. hoverboards. <laughs> Except there's no hoverboards in this. You're saying that they went down to the store and they took a few, like, oh, I'll, I'll take a little Blade Runner, I'll take a little Brazil. A little, little bit of, little little bit of mi- Minority Report. I'm going to mm-hmm. steal a scene from Old Boy. Poorly know. and, like, forget what made that scene interesting. Yeah, really poorly steal it, but they, it does feel like it's a mishmash of design choices that were made in other movies yeah. and there are a few parts where things look a little bit different and it's kind of neat like there's a the t- they when they break into the headquarters of the organ company which i don't remember the name of I'm gonna the call union it, I'm gonna, oh the union that's right which doesn't make sense yeah, as, it's a, as a name stupid. it's because when you hear the union you don't think ah oh, that's the name of a company you think oh they're referring to the union they belong to mm-hmm. which they're not well it's a coded political message Against the Against unions? unions. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Strike breakers. That's yeah. they are. <laughs> uh, they go into the headquarters and they find the room where the people are actually making the organs. And it's this huge white room of people in kind of this, the suits you make when you're you wear when you're making computer chips. You know, like covers full body, blinding white suit, white uh, hazmat suits. They're all sitting at individual tables, just kind of do, making little. Mo- movements with screws and things on these artificial organs, mm-hmm. and it looks o- kind of organ neat. grinders. They're called. They're grinding organs. Yeah, there's little monkeys everywhere <laughs> with cups of coins. Wow, that seems like that would not be uh, sanitary. Well, I the mean... monkeys are shaved. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. But uh, that that like that scene that setup looks kind of neat. Yeah. But then they don't do anything with it, and they just kind of throw it I away. I think I was reading Entertainment Weekly during that scene. <laughs> yeah, where... I think you were complaining about the Green Lantern movie at that point. Yeah, it looks really stupid. So, uh, something else about Repo Men. Dan, what did you think about the choice to have Jude Law as our star? Too much charisma? <laughs> <laughs> well, um... Too much scene chewing? Yeah, his, uh, his, his, his box office streak continues unabated, and the streak I'm talking about is the streak of bombs. Is the losing streak. <laughs> yeah. What other bombs has he had recently? Uh, well, I mean, you know, he was... Like recently, I mean, he hasn't been given much chance to do. Like he was in, a, he was in Alfie, of course, and uh, that didn't do well. uh, hilarious the, the Sleuth remake that did didn't not do, do well. well. Ouch! Um, 
What else? I can't even. It's a remake think. of another. Very what's good that? Movie. What's that movie where uh, where Cameron Diaz goes to England and Kate Winslet goes oh, to holiday. America? Yeah, he yeah. was in that thing. That yeah. did. Uh, did that do well? I thought it did. It but. probably did okay, but I think it was like the least successful. He was of in. He was that, in Sherlock Holmes. Oh, he, and I thought he was good in true. Sherlock Holmes. Yes, mm. he was good in Sherlock Holmes. He was in AI. But that was well, years I mean, ago. That's is, a like, ten-year-old movie. I think the. I think the You're man. Right about that. I think the man is not bad as a. Uh, as a supporting actor, well, he a is, robot. He is good when he's a character that you are not supposed to identify with or necessarily even like. Like talented Mr. Ripley, he's great in playing an asshole. Well, but I mean, are we supposed to like him here? Like he's we a, are because he has a, a sociopathic because he killer. has a change of heart and realizes what okay. he did is wrong, and we're supposed to want him to take down the system or some crap. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the f- problem with this movie is they don't understand that the viewer does not identify with this guy at all. Yeah. Like I'm I'm going to refer I'm going to refer to another crappy science I mean, a- told you to go out and kill people. We're not supposed to talk about the place I work, Dan. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> you think so, you're gonna get stalkers? No, I'm thinking about problems with my place of work. Right. So, um, We talk about where I work all the time. Uh, I'd rather not talk about the Pier 1 imports. Guys, okay. um right. so um, what I was going to say, so though... So at Shady rack <laughs> Anyway, you are saying... What I was... Um, to compare it to, say, the movie Equilibrium, which is a totally stupid, silly, futuristic Ma- movie... Based on a premise that makes no sense. Yes, that makes is, no sense yeah. at all. On some level, at least you can identify with Christian Bale's character, because he's a guy who is, like, slowly discovering the world. Yeah. Like, he's not a sociopathic killer who's like, I'm a total asshole, wait a minute... The people I'm hurting are just like me. Like that's bullshit. Yeah. No person who's like that will will have a change of heart. Um. So uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really. I can't really identify. It's with similar it. to John Travolta's character in From Paris with Love, in that <laughs> in that we are supposed Go to on. we're supposed to be charmed and fall for a character who is a jerk who kills people for no reason. It seems does and we can never really tell. <coughs> Whether we're supposed to like him or whether we're supposed to even trust what he's saying, you know, like it's they they both movies have set up a character who we're supposed to like them, I guess, because they kill people without in like cool ways, but really they don't give us anything to glom onto. So we're left with just a guy running around doing crazy things that so, we don't approve of. So, Ali, you're saying we should like people who kill people in boring ways. I think that was what you I don't think that's that the subtext. But I'm saying, that, like, when you see, if you see a movie, there are movies about killers where the audience identifies with the killer because the killer, there's the, a certain style about the movie or about the character or something that makes him charismatic to Like them. The Professional. Yeah, exactly. Like a lot of Hitman movies. Like the movie Hitman. Or like Gross Point <laughs> Blank or something like that. Yeah, or, or like the movie Hitman. Uh, like where. You're supposed to like the character despite his doing these things or because he can get away with things that the audience can't get away with but has fantasized about doing, whereas here we're not given those ropes to cut to hold on to, you know. We're given a guy, an unlikable guy doing unlikable things. But I always wanted to electrocute a guy until they passed out and then cut their organs out. <laughs> I don't know if you should say that on a recording. Oops. Uh-oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, this has been an elaborate FBI sting, Stuart. 
I'm busted. Swarm. Take him out. <laughs> swarm? Wait, that's a code word? Yeah, swarm means stay back. Don't do anything yet. <laughs> okay, cool. And take him out means we're going to need more time. So this movie appealed to me, uh, <laughs> Stuart, because it featured one of the members of the Wu-Tang Clan of rappers, the RZA. Mm-hmm. Elliot? Yeah, what? Not to be confused. What's going on with you? The Jizza. I... I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to say or what you want from me at this. No, moment. I don't know. I was just changing up the uh, changing I know, up the and conversation. Well, Rizzo was the most likable character in the entire movie, That's and true. the most charismatic performer in the entire movie. Although I have to admit, Forrest Whitaker had his moments. Yep. Although I never quite understood why Forrest Whitaker didn't get a replacement eye for his one lazy eye. <laughs> <laughs> in a world of replacement, it. he can't, can't afford, afford it. it. Interesting. He doesn't want to be repoed. That's true. Although I'd imagine you get some kind of corporate discount. But apparently not enough because Jude Law can't keep up with the payments on his heart. I don't think it was the issue of payments that made him not want to keep up with it. I think it was on the principle, right? Mm. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb with your your um, thing about uh, likability and like killing people, and say that part of the problem with this movie is actually the fact that Jude Law did find a conscience, because I found. Uh, yeah. Elliot's doing a comical thing with his I'm glasses. I'm just rearranging my glasses while you're talking. Um, I found Liev Schreiber uh, more, maybe not, maybe not like I would like to hang out with him in life, but more likable and enjoyable no, in this because, film because he had no conscience. Because, no, but Liev Schreiber had no conscience, but he also had panache. Yeah. The way he said things was funny. Like, yeah. he had a personality and a style. He seemed to be enjoying himself in the movie. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. You can watch him. Unlike a movie- the other actors. And... Yeah, that's true, unlike anybody. Well, I think he was just like, this'll pay for my time on Broadway. Oh, this is great. This'll pay for my time on Wolverine X-Men Origins Part 2. <laughs> well, I, th- I assume they would pay him for that. <laughs> oh, no, that that's, a, doing that's that, a labor that of love. Small budget role. <laughs> a tiny little movie like that? It's a tiny movie that's actually about yeah, Saber well, Tooth. Sabretooth is broken down, he's old, he's good, He's doing fights in small you don't towns, that Liev Schreiber, he's got to reconnect with his daughter. Liev Schreiber personally funded all of X-Men Origins War. <laughs> I didn't realize that. That's yeah. the thing. Because the studios weren't interested. He saved up all his Broadway money. <laughs> Who's this Wolverine character? <laughs> how, how would America, no, what would America think about this guy? Who's that we're going to put in a movie? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of him. Uh, yeah. But no, but... but Liev Schreiber is, but he is the villain of the movie. Yeah. So it's like you can like him because he's a he's a villain with style. You know that he you're not supposed to approve of him even if you like the personality. Yeah. The man right? even dies with style. Yeah, he has one of the best deaths in the, in the movie. But Jude Law, you're supposed to sympathize with in some way. Mm-hmm. And I don't. You know, same way like with Silence of the Lambs. Like people like the Hannibal Lecter character because he's got charisma and he's. Oh, it's open that he's a monster. You're not supposed to think of him as a hero. You know what, guys? Andy doesn't have any crazy sexual hang-ups. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I don't know. That's like that's where people draw the line with the serial killer. Is like they think a serial killer is cool when he's like kind of like smart and clever. But oh, as yeah, soon as start, things start getting weird sexually, Buffalo Bill tucking his penis between his legs is no is not okay. Yeah, but, but, but Hannibal Lecter eating people is okay. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. I, yeah, I think that's a good point. You know what, guys? I think I'm going to cut this short, shorter than usual. Okay. Uh, because we've, we've got so much to I say. I know. I mean, this movie has totally Man. captured the heart that's of the thing. I mean, what we're all about. We don't, have, we don't have a lot to say, but also, uh, 
in lieu of talking about recommendations, I would like to get some get a live report. Or not a live report. A uh, much later. I'm alive. <laughs> uh, about the uh, San Diego Comic Con from Elliot. You mean San Diego Comic Con International? Yeah. So, uh, in in order to give more time to that segment, I think we're going to wrap it up and, and give our final judgments on this. Final okay. <laughs> was this a good? I was hoping movie? for a little more debate. A bad, bad movie, <laughs> or a movie that you actually kind of liked, Stuart. Um, I think I'm going to go with bad, bad movie on this one. Mainly, more than anything, just because of the length. Like, yeah, it was also very. If long. it wasn't so long, I might have at least been able to, you know. Pay like reading Entertainment Weekly until there was a couple people getting shot and then enjoyed. No, that wasn't even good. They even use CGI for all the blood, which is really terrible. Yeah. Uh, altogether, not a very good movie. Well, Stuart, you know, corn syrup don't come cheap. I know, that's the thing. I'm You're right. Certain- it's much more expensive than computers. <laughs> much more expensive to have like to have somebody squirt blood <laughs> off screen <laughs> than to have some guy animate blood properly uh, yeah. which they didn't in this movie no, obviously it looked very fake and bad and yeah. they edited into scenes they didn't need it there's one part a person gets uh hit in the face with the gun butt and they animated like drops of blood flying out of their the general area of their nose totally unnecessary i didn't need to see blood in that scene yeah it's not like there's. I no mean, I, I was hoping for blood. That's but, but it's not like if there wasn't blood, fetishes. you'd be like, "Well, that's not realistic." Like uh, this, this scene isn't visceral enough for me. <laughs> Are we to believe we live in some sort of universe where no one has any blood? <laughs> what is this, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode? <laughs> um, so bad, bad movie from Stuart yeah, Daniel. I'm say bad, bad movie. I. The first. Uh, I said this as we were watching it. The first fifteen minutes, I thought, "Oh, you know." Maybe I maybe I'll actually enjoy this movie because it it moved along at a good clip. It had uh, jokes. I mean, not great jokes, but it was like, okay, this knows this movie knows what it is. It's a black comedy about uh, people who take organs out of people's bodies, and that's you know that's that's not a bad premise for a movie uh, necessarily. And uh, but it then it forgot that it was an exploitation movie. It uh, it got really grim, and people just like, sort of stood around for long periods of time, and uh, then it got violent again at the end, but that was uh, too little too late, friends. Yeah. It was like a less fun version of Babylon AD, the last of the lost <laughs> Flophouse movie. Oh, you guys wish, if you thought this was an unfunny episode of the Flophouse, Flophouse <laughs> listeners, you should have heard our Babylon AD episode. We thought that was the worst movie we had seen. Nope. I still think Whiteout is worse, though. I missed that one. I'd rather watch Repo Man than Whiteout. Okay. Oh, and I say bad, bad movie for the above reasons. Too long, (laughs) too boring, badly made, too somber. So, um, music. How was the music? No. The music is a collection of pop (laughs) standards, so it was actually, the soundtrack is fine. Yep. Except for every single time a fight scene came on, they like somebody went to their tape deck and got like stock action scene yeah. music, like fight scene music. It would be like pretty good standard pop jazz or something like that, and then yeah, like now we're gonna have to pay royalties to Repo Man. Yeah. Repo Man? Yeah, we're gonna... Repo Man, you mean the Circle Jerks? <laughs> we're going to have to pay royalties to 
black flag. Because, uh... What, Jonathan Richmond? <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. The so, Lovers? This, uh... This is the, uh... Oh, it's Jonathan Richmond and the Danny Glovers. Oh, no. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. This is the portion of the show where... I thought he was too old for that shit. <laughs> well, he was, he's still three days from retirement. <laughs> this is the portion of the show where I... I, let me try just, and say something. Let me say one thing off of Danny, Danny Glover being too old for this shit. I, saw, I, I was in San Francisco recently, and I was ironing a pair of pants <laughs> while my fiancé went and did something else. Oh, this story's going to be great. And I turned on the TV, because you want to watch TV while you're ironing pants. Sure. And Lethal Weapon 2 was on. I think it was 2. It's whichever one has Danny Glover is sitting on the toilet, and there's a bomb mm-hmm. strapped to the toilet, too. And so Mel Gibson goes in the house because he thinks there's danger, Puts his gun around the corner. Oh, it's just Danny Glover on the toilet. Then it turns out there's a bomb on the toilet, and Danny Glover's embarrassed because the bomb squad has to come. And I remember while watching it, I was like, wow, I, this is amazing that this was in a movie. There was a time when this was an acceptable scene for a blockbuster film. Is this ridiculous that, like, the joke is he's sitting on the toilet, you know, and then there's a bomb there. Oh. Movies yes. have gotten both better and worse. That, that would never happen in today's world of old dogs. <laughs> but old dogs is a children's comedy. This was an R-rated right. action film. The yeah. a sequel to, you know, a pretty major action movie. This is the sequel, yeah. A sequel to a huge hit that people still kind of like. Alright. The, uh, the key, the, I guess the key phrase that there would be R-rated since, uh, I don't know, I don't think you've, I think you've forgotten a little film called Transformers uh, where, uh, you know, like robots are peeing oil Explain. on people, yeah, and but that's dogs different. are humping things. There's some, that's like, that's a that's a, a louder type of joke. This was just done in a very like matter of fact way. Here's the joke we do about the guy on the toilet. Transformers is Danny Glover in that? Okay. Anyway, this is the part of the uh, show where we talk about uh, he played letters. Mr. Transformer. Letters okay, in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Pure luck. Silverado. <laughs> this first one is uh, pure luck. It's called "Response to the Response of My Email." Wow. Never mind. Is this a dialogue that we've opened? Well, this is from uh, Martin Biro. You may have remembered him. Oh, of the pens and trains for- fortune. Yeah, um, and he left the note for the secretary. Yes. Yeah, and then she I wrote in, she wrote and back. she was unimpressed Into by our cosplaying shit, right? Well, and he responds. I don't remember that part. In the like Twilight and cosplay, he responds saying, "Rest assured, we are not in some flop house inspired inter office war, but you can imagine we are if you wish." I do wish already. Um, But uh, he says, "Just for the record, or perhaps off the record, I would not kick any of you out of bed, and I would write slash fiction to that effect upon request." Please don't. Please, please do not. (laughs) But we appreciate this, and this, this, this suggests. I'm up for it. This suggests a no, whole you're not. new uh, direction for us guys, and that, that's we can become gay icons. You know, we have we have struck out with it our female so, listener. I don't know about you, Elliot. It sounds so hateful when it comes from Dan's mouth. Oh, okay. you know? does, well, he is a homophobe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's I'm the he's, one encouraging he's, gay men. He's literally to think of spitting us the words out with disgust. Yeah, I know. It kind of makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, me too. Uh, continue, Dan. They're called Gaikons, yeah. by the way. Yeah, that was that was that was all I wanted to say from that. <laughs> Isn't that uh, that like little lizard on TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gay. Okay, continue. Dan. Okay, well, this is another uh, message. And this is from uh, Blythe. Was that all that he had to say? 
Well, yeah, that was that was that was the that was the gist of it. I mean, it. I'm that sure was... he has more to say, but that's mm-hmm. all he wrote. Well, thank you for uh, saying that. It's very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blythe says, "I've oh, recently." <laughs> Discover the treasure that is your podcast, but skimming through the archives of your show, I was unable to find the movie Troll 2. Um, if you've not heard of this movie, I think the Flophouse can make an episode out of an early 90s. Um, We've heard uh, of Troll 2. And uh, <laughs> I can say see that this with movie such vitriol. Being on par with, if not surprising, the good badness of Bratz. Yes. Well, no, we, we should address this. Uh, this will play into the next uh, letter as well. Okay. What? As we've said before. You know, the flop house uh, focuses on new movies. However, the contest that we have continue- going on right now. Yes. Um, to to, re- to reiterate, if you go to iTunes. I think we should name the contest You Pick the Flop. Yeah, You Pick the Flop. If you go to iTunes. You flop the flop. You write a <laughs> review of the flop it works house. works for me. I like it. You write a review of the flop house. Good or bad, we're not bribing you. Uh, go just go to iTunes and write a review, and um, we will randomly select one who will be able to um, tell us to watch a particular movie. You get to make the call. You select the movie. Any movie. It's like yeah. any movie. It's like, movie uh, like one of them choose on your own adventure books. Choose your own flop venture. Except you don't get to stick your finger in between in the page and then go to check out your various choices and yeah, see and which see choice you, you make. It's like real life. Yeah. Well, you don't get to see ahead. You don't get to see ahead. You just make your choice and that's it, man. You don't know Unless if you're going to get devoured next. by dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Continue, no, I assume those are sour dinosaurs. No, they're the same thing. <laughs> Um, now, before I had said that the uh, the deadline for this would be August first, but that that podcast actually got a little delayed because of the Fourth um, of July holiday, oh. and so I'm just going to say if very you, patriotic. If you review um, the Flop House before the next episode comes out, uh, you will After still be consi- considered. Yes. Okay. After no, I'm not expecting them. Yeah, to they're not going like to psychically up. know that I have said this. <laughs> I don't know. All right. But um, so that's that's a side note. But of course, yes, Troll Two, a movie uh, that has gotten a lot of uh, attention. Uh, there's a documentary out about it. Uh, yes. Best worst movie that's just come out. And it is a very enjoyable bad movie. It's an extremely enjoyable bad movie. And I, you know, I find that it was a movie that like the cult uh, arose totally organically. Like I uh, showed it yeah. at a bad movie night uh, before I knew that there were anyone. Uh, Know any other people out there who are also like discovering this movie? Check out this guy it. over here. Yeah, no, I'm he started the whole thing. Yeah, what the hell? I, I watched. Say that. I watched Troll Two before it was cool to watch did Troll not Two. Say that. Just pointing out. Oh, Troll Two. Yeah, I watched that a while back. I'm done with that. I'm a trolley. I don't think it's a manufactured <laughs> cult, uh, but no, yeah, no, in a way that uh, there's something very pure about that because it's not like snakes on a plane or something where mm-hmm. it's you know. Where it seems like somebody in an energy drink company came up with the idea that snakes on a plane would be exactly. super hilarious. Or like uh, Icing Bros, you know, which sounds like it came from a marketing meeting. <laughs> no. It's just a movie that played on uh, you know HBO a lot when people were kids. A lot. And, <laughs> and then they grew up and then they're like, wait a minute, what the fuck was going on with that movie? Yeah. But um, It's completely overshadowed Troll at this point. Yeah. Starring um, uh, Bono. And Sonny uh, Bono, and at, both of them over, have overshadowed Don Booth to Troll in Central Park. <laughs> also, a gnome named Norm has been overshadowed. <laughs> yeah, and the park just by life. And the park is mine. Another Central Park movie. 
and munchies. Um, so and critters. This kind of uh, segues <laughs> into the next uh, email, which uh, which is from Peter, last name withheld. And it says, hey, you guys, have been watching a lot of bad, bad movies lately. In fact, I can't remember the last movie that got any other review. I can't either. God, except for maybe man. one Dan kind of liked a while back. Where are the good, bad movies? Where are the ones I might actually want to rent and get a good laugh out of? Oh, Fuck, I wish we found one. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I wish to God we, we could find one. I've listened to all the podcasts, many of them twice, and a couple of them four or five times. Holy shit. Wow. And while it's Probably I Know Who Killed Me. That one's hilarious. That's a good one, yeah. And while it's fun to hear you guys rip these movies new assholes, it would be a richer experience if I wanted to <laughs> rent the movie you watch <laughs> so my friends and I can play the home version of the game. Ah, uh, yeah. So, um... We yeah. should try to find one that seems like... we. I mean, every time we pick a movie, we hope it's going to be a good, bad movie. Well, this is what I'm saying. Like, we are hamstrung by what we've set out, which is to keep it relatively current. If we were pulling from the vast ocean of uh, bad movies out there... There would be good bad movies. Oh, tons of them. And uh, that's the reason I I actually, um, you know, host like bad movie nights that aren't related to the flop house. Where like there Dan there basically is... doesn't watch any movies that aren't bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I went back and I looked at all my invitations uh, for those bad movie nights, and I pulled a list of some of the more popular ones uh, oh, among the crowd. Good idea. So um, so here's a list of movies that I would recommend. As uh, good bad movies, Paparazzi. Mm-hmm. That movie's awesome. Uh, Sheena. That's fun, stupid movie. Uh, Dreamcatcher. Terrible film. Fuck that movie. Don't tell her it's me. <laughs> AKA the boyfriend. Yeah, that movie's Hilarious. awesome. Terrible. Uh, Cobra. Sure. Great. That's a good movie though. Cubs. <laughs> the Garbage Pail Kids movie. Oh no. <laughs> That's an unpleasant film. <laughs> that is not a pleasant movie to sit through. Um. Uh, uh, two well-known bad movies, the Wicker Man remake and Xanadu, both went over very well. Yeah, Wicker Man remake is really Yeah, it's so many punching of women. <laughs> Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Yeah, that movie's awesome. Any other Andy Sedaris film. Like Savage uh, Beach. Yeah, have a lot, a lot of bazookas not and Not Amy breasts. Sedaris. No, not, not Amy Same Sedaris. Same thing, right? No. Um, Superman 4. Not What's-His-Name Sedaris. Quest for Peace. Superman Four is pretty funny, yeah, and, uh, and Sleepwalkers. Those all, mm-hmm. those were all popular choices. Do you guys have anything? Off didn't the top you? Of your uh, didn't you put? Didn't you watch the Marine for one of your movie nights? Oh, the nights? Marine. That was that was a good one too. Oh god, that one's awesome. I mean, uh, we watched it, but the happening I will always recommend <coughs> as one of the funniest bad movies. Everything mm-hmm. about it is bad, and but it breezes by, and it's so stupid that it's just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I'll agree with that. And, of course, we all love Tango and Cash. Oh, and Tango of Cash is... So good. Well, Tango of Cash is brilliant. <laughs> Tango, Tango and Cash is a movie that's so bad it becomes a great movie. <laughs> I would agree with that. It yeah, is. It's really good. Every, it is... Oh, Tango and Cash is like the last great movie before irony stepped in, and people <laughs> realized the movies they were making were bad. Yeah. yeah and that they could, like, mitigate that by knowing it was bad. That was back when... Anyone who everyone thought it was either going to be the most kick-ass movie ever, or they knew it was bad and they were just trying to get through it as quickly as possible while making oh, it. Oh god, it's so good! Oh, it's, it's such a bad movie, and that's even—it's so funny even before, for no reason at all, the retarded genius inventor comes in <laughs> and makes them a battle tank. <laughs> oh, yeah. By uh, Michael J. Pollan. 
Oh, what a movie. Yeah. Featuring Terry Hatcher as the stripper who doesn't take her clothes off. <laughs> yeah, a common figure in movies of the late 80s <laughs> and true, early 90s. That's true, yeah. And uh, in my masturbatory fantasies. <laughs> wow. You are a gentleman even in those. <laughs> I like to treat my ladies well. Um, in your mind. I like to give them a treasure bath. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound that comfortable. It's like gold coins and diamonds and shit. Yeah, yeah, no. It's I like know. Uncle Uncle Scrooge. <laughs> Uncle Scrooge. Well, I wouldn't do it to Uncle Scrooge because he's a fucking duck man, but like, <laughs> you know, like a hot chick. You're, you're not a wearing like a shoulder pad sport coat. It sounds like it'd be she gets treasure. Yeah, no, it feels good. It sounds like you get rust all over you. Not... Come on, <laughs> it's treasure. When's the last time I cleaned that shit pretty on, well? Uh, on on treasure. Come you on. see corroded. Tarnish. It might be like there oh, might be like it might be a little tarnish. bit of verdigris. Mm-hmm. What about ambergris? Probably not. Uh, that would be in a separate type of bath. <laughs> All right, the, the one that keeps me young. <laughs> the last email here is uh, is titled "Get Smurfed." Oh boy, I think I know what this is going to be about. And it comes from uh, my favorite flop fan, wait, speaking of, Ashley. Last name. Wait, there are all the, speaking of movies that are good, bad movies. There are all these movies we wanted to watch that we haven't watched. Like that, what? Like Old Dogs. Oh yeah. Where's that one? All right. Well, we we'll keep what? Old Dogs. There are all the, there are all these movies that come out, and I say, I thought we oh, watched I wanna, that. I want to flop house that, or like friends of mine will say, oh, I saw this trailer in the first, like this new M Night Shyamalan movie, Devil. Right. Someone said to me, the first thing I thought when I saw that was, I can't wait to hear the Flophouse do something about it. we got to do something about those movies. Well, that movie has not been released yet. No, but so. I mean those, we see movies, we see trailers all the Why time. Why don't we, we call up uh, M. Night, see if we'll send us an advanced screener. All right, well, yeah. you guys start writing them down. I mean, come on. Yeah, I'll it's email them. Pull your weight. <laughs> I come here once every two weeks and talk for an hour. What, right. that's not pulling my weight? So, uh, Ashley writes, I had the misfortune of seeing the trailer for the Smurfs movie. Ouch. In front of Toy Story 3. My first thought was, did Elliot write this? It's so hacktastic it defies parody. <laughs> oh, and I'm a hack, huh? If Smurfs can get made, I oh. don't see how Ziggy starring yeah. Wallace Shawn can't get made. Oh, I forgot about Ziggy. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Smurfs, if Smurfs is a success, I'm going out, I'm gotta go to Tom Wilson and give him that Ziggy pitch. Or I'll buy the rights to Ziggy myself. I'll produce this movie. It can be that expensive. Uh, it can be fairly expensive. Well, I mean, like, and you, but you do have like mountains of. Uh, oh of no, gold. I work in television, so I make a, an annual salary of about thirty billion dollars a year. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the thing about the Smurfs movie is, it does all the stupid things that Ziggy would do in the, my Ziggy movie. Yeah. Where it's like for no reason at all. It's like now they're in the real world, and there's and they play Wild Thing on the yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, like they play Wild Thing at the end, and and get Smurfed is. Get Smurf apostrophe D. Just like this summer gets zigged. <laughs> yeah. They stole Man, my that idea. That's awesome. what it was. Yeah. It is it is very hacktastic. Is it, it like, is like uh, the- Beastmaster 2 through the portal of time? Or like the He-Man movie where He-Man and the other Masters of the Universe show up in the real world? Yeah, well, that's because Masters of the Universe was a Jack Kirby's fourth well, world. Yeah, you have to assume that, that like Gargamel like does some sort of spell. That sounds like Gargamel. To, uh, you know, like Manhattan. I, I haven't, Manhattan. I haven't seen, I, I haven't so. seen the trailer. So it's just so dumb. It's like, why? How many of these things? Like, they're gonna discover pizza, and they're just gonna discover rock music, and they're gonna, fi- they're gonna have to drive a they're car. They're gonna discover rock music. Like, in back wait, how large are they? Are they like human size? No, they're or? tiny. 
But a pizza would be way too much food for yeah, a Smurf. Yeah, that's where the joke comes. They're trying to pick it up, and then they're like, oh, this is delicious. At some point, someone's going to open a pizza box and see a Smurf with a huge distended belly who burps inside it. Sure. I guarantee you. I guarantee you that's going to happen. <laughs> and there's going to be a scene where they learn about modern music and they dance to it. Because sure. every cute character in a movie loves rock and roll as soon as they hear it. Mm-hmm. But it's always the shittiest rock and roll that that time period can There'll produce. be some, some, some kind of sunglasses on them oh, or yeah. something. Maybe a backwards ball cap. Again, Ziggy would have done all these so things. So you're rolling your eye about, <laughs> eyes about that, but I remember a little scene in uh, Gremlins 2 where Gizmo dances to uh, a pop song. Yeah, no. G- Gr- uh, Gizmo likes those too. That's the hacky part of Gremlins. All right. So, um, but I also remember part in Gremlins 2 where they do a Busby Berkeley-inspired musical number. <laughs> Sure. Where's but there's that, that where's other that there's Randall. that other uh, See, Tony Randall sings start New York New York. Hey in uh in Gremlins 2, that's the one with the uh That's the one with the new the babe, the babe, yeah, the, the babe uh, gremlin. The, the hot the gremlin chick with lives the boobs and uh Robert Picardo and she falls in love. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Apparently, well, apparently she's redeemable. It the is there love. it is a movie like you're talking about those sexy duck women that you were talking about just then. They want to give a treasure bath to. Yeah, 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 like it's, the chicken Howard the Duck in the opening opening scene yeah, where he's being sucked through the walls. He, and I'm uh, like, holy crap, that's a naked duck. That, that At the end of the movie, he is like okay with the idea of having sex with a two-foot-tall monster <laughs> that has just a head, a head full of hair, red lips, and I guess boobs, no other female characteristics well, as far know, as we know. Well, we it's don't like know. It's like Some Like It Hot, Elliot. It's exactly... It's like the end of Some Like It Hot. They're both human beings. Yeah. Well, that's Whatever. why Some Like It Hot is not a funny movie anymore. Yeah. But, they, because but the she has, idea, like, large grasping hands. The very idea that hands. two men would be in love is no longer a laughable proposition. She does have large grasping hands. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say that, like, she'd be top of my list, like, <laughs> top five or nothing. But Okay, well, let's move on, and quickly let's... Uh, Gremlins 2 is a great movie, by the way. Yeah, so, no, yeah. I agree. Quickly, let's talk to Elliot uh, I've never bit. had sex with a gremlin, by the way. <laughs> you are missing out. Let's <laughs> talk to Elliot a little bit about... Comic-Con. You Comic-Con. mean Comic-Con International? Yes, in San I Diego? Well, do. comic book's brightest stars came out to shine at oh San Diego God. Comic-Con International. We had... People in costumes and stuff, and all sorts of things. I went to do a lot of right, stuff. Descriptive. <laughs> uh, it, it was. Elliot a, brought me back a Sheena button. Speaking I, of the movie Sheena. Yep. There. Uh, I had never been to the San Diego Comic Con before. I went as a bachelor party weekend, which was a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and uh, with a couple people. Stewart and, and I were would would have would have been able to go. By the way, if uh, we were invited. Yeah. Well, I'm I know saying, that's not true about Dan McCoy. We didn't. We didn't. You know, we didn't want to put the money in. That's all. I Wait, I was to, invited. I don't want you to feel bad about it. <laughs> that Elliot went uh, without us. Anyway, go on. Anyway, the uh, I only groomsmen were invited. That's why you weren't invited. So oh, okay. And but well, uh, I'm sure that you could have gone to comic. Yeah, I mean, if I if I hadn't been in a haze of, of alcohol and. <laughs> Regret and sadness. I yeah. I probably would have realized that there's this comic book convention that all these fellows are going to. But the thing is, I didn't see a lot of the movie stuff at Comic Con. They had a lot of big announcements about like who's going to be in the Avengers and who's and the Green Lantern stuff and Tron and the Tron Legacy. And I didn't see I didn't get see that much of that. I was really focused on the a lot of the comic book things. But I did go to a panel featuring star '80s and '90s poster painter Drew Struzan. 
who you may know as the man behind the Back to the Future and Indiana Jones and the Thing posters, among other things. And he did – there's a – they showed 20 minutes of a documentary that these guys are funding – the guys who are making the documentary are also funding it themselves as a uh, like pro, as a passion project. That's a documentary about Drew Struzan, and he tells the story in it about painting the poster for The Thing where they called him up apparently and they said – Oh, you know that 50s movie, The Thing? Well, we're going to remake it. And he goes, oh, that's great. And they go, okay, well, we need a poster for it. And that's <laughs> all the information that they gave him. So the reason you can't – and it's an amazing poster. It's really good. But the reason that there's no details of anything in the poster is because he had no idea who was in the movie, what the movie was going to be about, you know, any scenes from it. Uh, but that was exciting to see him. Uh, I also went to a panel featuring The Room star, director, act, uh, producer – writer Tommy Wiseau, who is exactly what you would want him to be, a crazy nut job, <laughs> who, he, who talks in a nearly incomprehensible accent and uh, refuses to give any information about himself. It was, he was, he's the star of a short movie called The House That Drips Blood on Alex that was written and produced and directed by a sketch comedy team. And he, and the, and the movie, and it was a fine short sketch comedy piece like there were some okay jokes in it some jokes that didn't fall so well nothing special but Tommy Wiseau then managed to completely take control of the panel which was him the other people were in the movie the sketch comedy group and Joey Greco the former host of Cheaters <laughs> who was also in the sketch comedy group he was the moderator and Tommy Wiseau just took control of the panel and didn't let go rightfully so Rightfully so. Everyone was there to see him. It was a really rowdy audience, really loud, constantly cheering everything he said. Tommy Wiseau got so many applause breaks. And I don't think he ever – and he was like, hey, these people like me. I better do silly things. But I don't think he ever realized, like, these people are laughing at me. I am a freak to them, which made me feel kind of bad. But he took – there was a long question and answer period. Someone would say, when you were making The Room, what were you thinking about? And he would say – uh, are you asking me? Is this question for me? Is this for anyone? Like he's French all the time. I couldn't can't do his, his accent is I can't do it. Yeah, but it's like a weird Eastern European thing. But so. he would always make everyone address him know. first to make sure that he they, he knew it was the question was for him. Someone came and said, uh, "Mr. Wiseau," and he goes, "Don't call me Mr. Wiseau. Call me Tommy or Wiseau." <laughs> <laughs> it was and uh, someone asked him where he was from, and his answer was, "No, move on. Next question." <laughs> Every answer he ended with, "Move on. Next question." Uh, and the audience would applaud because he was being so rude. Someone asked him if there would be a sequel to The Room, and he said, well, you know, in America, anything is possible. USA. And everyone was chanting USA. <laughs> that chant returned over and over again. He, uh, at one point, someone asked him, what do you eat for breakfast? Like, what's a Tommy Wiseau breakfast? And he said, I'm sorry, uh, say again. What, what, like, what do you eat for breakfast? I don't... And the, and the guy actually said to him, you get up in the morning, you have something to eat, what do you eat? And he said, to a personal question, move on, next question. He would not say what he eats for breakfast. Other wow. things that I learned, he plans, uh, the room will appear on Blu-ray and in 3D. Blu-ray will appear either before December or after January. <laughs> Uh, he is still looking for a publisher for his. So wait, <laughs> he's still so not in December or January. No, uh, I guess he has Christmas plans. Uh, he's still looking for a publisher for his novel version of the room, which is over six hundred pages, according to him. Uh, 
he was at, he was asked to recite a Shakespeare sonnet. This is something he does at public appearances, uh, and he asked Joey Greco, "Do is it okay? Do you give permission?" And Joey Greco said, "Why don't we end the panel with the sonnet?" Which makes sense. It's a good way to end it. And Tommy Wiseau goes, "Actually, I say I do give permission. I will do it." <laughs> and he, he did it. Then he sang. Someone asked him to sing "Happy Birthday," which he doesn't really know the words to. So he had everyone who said it was their birthday line up on the front of the room, asked their names, sang "Happy Birthday," and then said, "You go over in that." corner now i give you t-shirts and he was throwing t-shirts at them all while saying i don't want to i don't mean to steal the show i'm not stealing the panel while throwing t-shirts over his shoulder at these people it was great he gave an aspiring artist the information the uh wisdom that uh she said what do you say to other people who want to make movies their own movies and he says well you got to give 20 percent to get 100 percent you go 20 then 40 then 60 then 80 then 100 but you can't do just 20 percent has to be 100 percent that was his advice uh i'm trying to think what other amazing crazy things he said he was ridiculous he wore sunglasses the entire time even though it was nine o'clock at night indoors um <laughs> did he ever did he ever do that weird laugh he does throughout the room? Oh, yes, like, he did. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that, and ha, 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 He was, oh, it was a beautiful night, and he was crazy, you know. Everything about him was weird. Um, th- that, that, those were the big, I think, flop-related highlights of the weekend. Okay. Uh, I didn't see any, like, I didn't get to see, uh, the only celebrities I really saw were the kind of lower-level ones that were signing at booths. I saw Malcolm McDowell, who looks very old. I saw John Saxon, who looks extremely old, uh, and Brent Spiner, who was doing everything he could to get people to pay attention to him. <laughs> Michael Dorn was signing at a table, and Brent Spiner walked up and went, Hey, Worf! Hey, Worf! I'm a big fan! Hey, Worf! Um, wow. You know, it, was, it felt very uh, comic book convention-y. But overall, the convention is such a big thing. It's, it's kind of sad because you have the whole convention hall. One half of it is movies and toys and video games and the other half is comic books and you walk in on the movies and toys and video games side and it's so crowded it's super crowded and the closer you get to the comic book section the more the crowds thin out until by the time you get to the comic book section you can walk around freely take your time like there's just not as many people there you know everyone wants to see you know uh all the all the latest news about the clash of the titans dvd release but you know, or I, I uh, or what J.J. Abrams has up his sleeve. Exactly. I did sit through uh, one panel I didn't originally plan to. In order to see the Venture Brothers panel without waiting online, I went ahead of time to the panel before it, which was for the TV show Leverage. Uh, and I never realized there are so many diehard Leverage fans. Apparently, uh, they love uh, Timothy Hutton and all the stars of Leverage. And I watched. 15 minutes of a new episode of Leverage that they screened, and I gotta say, that show is ridiculous. It's about, Ridiculously good? It's Well, it was fun in the This Is Stupid way. No, it's a dumb show. I, I actually watch it, uh, you know, it comes on during the summers. It's fun. Uh, it was very well, fun. it's not part of a religious observance of any kind. Okay. I mean, it's not know, I have it on my DVR. But it, it was, it was a very welcome it is a on very, that show. It was also a very dopey show. But that's the other thing about Comic-Con, is you're constantly bumping into groups of people who are Rabid, <coughs> rabidly in love with something you have never heard of or know nothing about. And they know every detail about this thing. They run their lives by it. They love it. They can't wait to see more. And you know nothing about it. So like the show Leverage, all I knew were the print ads, which showed a giant tied up on the ground while Timothy Hutton kind of smirked at the camera. Uh, so I assumed it was about guys who fight giants. 
But these people, they know all the episode titles. They know the characters. They can't wait to see what's going to happen. They really want to know when the Leverage role-playing game was coming out. And Will Wheaton, who was on the panel, said he was very excited about that, too. You know, oh, was, man, that's awesome. Well, it, I wish I had gone to that. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I had so much fun at this panel for a show I don't watch. Well, we need to wrap it up because uh, the, the computer can only handle so much before it crashes. Uh, maybe we'll tease out some uh, more Comic-Con stories in the future. But, uh, sure. For now. I didn't even talk about all the slutty costumes. Oh, oh man. man. We'll talk about that. We will time. talk about that later. But uh, for now, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I think I'm Elliot Kalen. Good night. Is that the start of his uh, memoir? Memoir? Memoir. It's called Memoirs of a Geisha. Memoirs of an Invisible Moir. Of a Geisha? Yeah. That's a gay Geisha. (laughs) Yes. Right? I get it. That's exactly what that is. Get it? (laughs) Oh, man. I just said I got it. I need to power up. Do you have any beer?